Daniel, I guess we got to start the show off by saying we were wrong. I thought Francis Ngannou was going to go out there and get destroyed on Saturday. Boy, was I wrong. It's not the first time I've been wrong about covering the sport. It's not going to be the last time I'm wrong. But yeah, Francis, I'm sorry for not thinking you had that. You were going to be able to go out there and do what you did. Like, we were both wrong. But I think it was okay. Right now, I have a, a glass of milk. And I know this is milk because I've had milk before and I had it just now and it tasted like milk. But if I drink it right now and all of a sudden it turned into beer, I would be dead wrong. But also, like, who would have expected that to happen based on history? Who would have expected a mixed martial artist to step in the boxing ring with the greatest heavyweight on the planet right now, knock him down? and arguably win a fight. The only people that expected this to happen were probably in his camp, were probably in Tyson Fury's camp, and probably just like, you know, have a, have a specific narrative or vendetta they want to get across. But at the end of the day, what Francis did, dude, is like one of the most impressive things I've seen an athlete do. Seriously. Like he went, he went for the king, and he looked great. He looked amazing, and Francis is legend as an athlete. I'm surprised he didn't come out in the eighth inning of the Texas Rangers winning the World Series last night and throw a perfect inning. This dude is an unbelievable human being when you look at where he freaking started in his martial arts journey. Look, he didn't get the win, but he is the biggest winner of last Saturday. Obviously, the amount of money that, that he made for this and now what will potentially be next. Got to imagine, I would I would be relatively surprised if Francis Ngannou's next fight is in an MMA cage and not a boxing ring. I do feel that he still is going to honor his contract with the PFL. He's going to fight in the PFL at some time. This could be a blessing for the PFL because this could potentially give them a little bit more time to find the right opponent to put across the cage from him. I know Don Davis, when he went on aerial show on Monday, you know, he mentioned as early as March, you got to think that's probably not likely, but also mentioned December of next year. And if it's December of next year, Gives them a little bit more time to try to find that right opponent that's maybe going to get people interested. But, I mean, look, he is – I tweeted about this on Saturday. Daniel, you need to hold me accountable to, for this. Everyone who listens to this podcast, you need to hold accountable. Anytime I complain about pacing of an MMA broadcast, you better bring up this boxing card. Because, good Lord, sitting in my favorite spot – on a Saturday afternoon, enjoying many Stellas, many Stellas. I'm like, can we just get this thing going? Yeah. I was like watching the broadcast and they were like, the fight is next. But first, you don't see the ring because what you see is a concert stage. Because there's about to be a musical performance. And I was just like, this will be an hour and a half. And I guess somewhere out there on the internet, they put out like the official bout time, which is something I should have looked at prior. Because, yeah, I mean, what, it was like a 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock start. And they got, for me personally, and I want to say the fight happened around 5. So, yeah, it was uh, it was crazy. I, I it was It was a spectacle, right? I mean, especially 
this was the Saudi Arabian tourism invitational. So they're going to, it's mm -hmm. the crowd was, it was a spectacle in itself to see all those legends of both sports, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo, who I think is no longer a soccer player. I think he's just like a, a you know, a, a mascot for Saudi Arabia. It's, um, it was interesting for sure. It was absolutely interesting. Was it boring? Absolutely. I just want to see some fights, man. But uh, yeah, the pacing for that is truly legendary. And it's just one of those things where next time we get a Francis super fight in Saudi Arabia, I'm going to do my due diligence and I'm going to like look up, is there a match time where these two are supposed to hit the ring? Because if you're at a bar like you were waiting for this fight, Jason, you're going to end up absolutely drunk by the time these two fight and you will not remember a single thing. Dude, dude, I got to the bar halftime of the FSU game. So I was like probably, you know, two o'clock, you know, whatnot. I text you at 5.17 p.m. Eastern time where it had a countdown clock. It says Battle of the Baddest, 47 minutes and 29 seconds away. And I was like, I was literally sitting there going, dude. <laughs> it was amazing. It was amazing, bro. It was uh it's it's these things happen in combat sports <laughs> it is the best way to put it. it it just is um but you know it was a fun day on twitter or x as it is known it was a fun day on x people were cracking jokes and then the best part of x is whenever things happen that make you like blow your brain out you're like you're like what my brain can't process what's happening bro like these first rounds are close Oh my God! Francis just knocked down Tyson Fury. Is he gonna knock out the heavyweight champion? Like, like it's crazy. And when you think back to this fight, there's gonna be no other thing you think back to other than Tyson on the ground and Francis on top of his feet, bro. Like when Francis and Ganu remodels his home, he's gonna have that poster right there to see every time he goes to bed. Again, it, it's absolutely crazy. You know, I know Ara Hawani has made it his personality this performance, but. You know, and I, I, I dig aerial stuff, but it was kind of like, damn, this guy's tweeted about Francis 80 times today. He is going for the yeah. algorithm. Yeah, but, I mean, man, I, I listened to his Monday monologue. After about 40 minutes, I was like, okay, man, you're just repeating yourself at this point. But one of the funny things about our text exchange on Saturday was when, uh, when the fight just started, and then I go, oh, shit, fury down. Yeah, yeah it's like... Oh, like things are, that's why we love sports, bro. And, and, and combat sports kind of provides that. Oh shitness more than any other sports because like, all right, you can be watching a basketball game and a team's down 40 to two. They're not going to come back in, in two seconds. They're, they're going to need to score some points, wait some time out in boxing. You knock the dude down in a half a second in the history of the athletes change. Within a second, the history of Francis and combat sports changed. Mm -hmm. Do we have the same reaction? If first off, we are we are if that knockdown doesn't happen and they just fight close, we are still unbelievably impressed because everybody expected the heavyweight champion of the world to easily dispatch Francis. Mm -hmm. We're still impressed. But it's it's the knockdown that is the poetic part. It's the knockdown that makes this something that we will never forget with Buster Douglas in attendance. We were getting Buster Douglas vibes with this moment. And again, it's um, it's one of the coolest things. You know, I think for this fight in particular, or I guess you want to get into the business of it. 
the numbers may not be super high, but it does seem like it, it has to moving forward. The rematch, I think, has to do much better business. And this may have been the singular this this fight may have been the most important fight for Francis to build his name up as an independent draw because up until this point, he really hasn't been a major draw at all. He's been a draw in terms of one of the best fighters in the world, but there's only a few fighters under the UFC banner that are draw that could leave the UFC tomorrow and draw a pay-per-view by. I, I just think those guys are Connor and John Jones, and I don't know if there's anybody else. But this is the type of win that turns Francis Ngannou into a household name, a person who people have general sports opinions about. And I do think the biggest payday in Francis Ngannou's career will be his next boxing match. Yeah, I mean, I, I spoke about this, you know, throughout this entire process of you know, just because of, you know, what I do day in, day out in the sports bar business. You know, and I talked about it. I said, I was like, look, I'm not trying to be a hater on Francis Ngannou. I'm just telling you what I've experienced is that he's just not a guy that draws a crowd. You know, like when you think about the fighters in UFC history that, that draw a crowd, you know, you think if you want to go back, you know, early on Chuck Liddell, when he was in his prime, he was the guy who brought a different audience out. You look at Conor McGregor, Ron Rouse. Brock Lesnar, Anderson Silva, John Jones, GSP. Those were the kind of you know fighters that would bring people out. And France was never this. But there was a couple of tweets I wanted to point out. And John Nash had a great tweet uh, where he said, the two big MMA stories this week have to be the Ninth Circuit rejecting the UFC's appeal and Francis Ngannou boxing fury. Neither one has to do with fights, and both are connected, with Ngannou only being able to exit his contract because of the sunset put in the deal with the lawsuit. And also another tweet to mention, um, this coming from at fight underscore ghosts, where he says, Meltzer on Observer, Ra- Observer Radio discussing the Fury and Ganu pay-per-view buys. Quote, I will have the exact numbers tomorrow, but they were terrible. Way below an AEW pay-per-view, possibly 10K for TV orders. I will have streaming tomorrow it's nothing close to Canelo or Diaz Paul buys. And I know I've seen in the past where uh, Dave Meltzer has basically said it's a one to three ratio for every one TV buy. There's three streaming buys. And I mean, look, I'm not shocked that this that thing did not do well on pay-per-view. And, and that to me is I've been taking in all this content over the past couple of days and, and hearing how people reacted to this. Yeah, that was, To me, it was like, okay, well, how well this thing do on pay-per-view, but in, I mentioned, I, I heard this, I want to say it was on the Code Main Event podcast, but I'll bring it up here, is will last Saturday be the climax of Francis Ngannou's career, or is there another level? You know, what? You know, let's say you know his next, I, I fully expect his next matchup is in a boxing ring. I guess the only question is who is, it, who is across the, the ring from him? Is it a rematch against Tyson Fury, or maybe is it an Anthony Joshua, a Deontay Wilder? Who knows what it may be, but I thought it was a very interesting question they threw out there of, is this the climax of, of Francis Ngannou's career? I mean, I, I think if you know, you're know you hopeful, you say, man, I hope there's a, a, a bigger climax for Francis Ngannou, but like, it wouldn't shock me if this is the climax of his career. I don't, I would still say becoming a UFC heavyweight champion or beating Cyril Gunn is the climax at this point in time. When I say climax, I'm thinking the absolute peak, the best moment. When Francis Ngannou, you know, passes away 350 years from now because the man does the impossible and I'm fully believing he's going to live to be 400, what is the very first thing we're going to talk about? 
And I still think as we talk today, the very first line will be former UFC heavyweight champion. So I think the climax of his career is beating Stipe Miocic. I think number two at this point is beating Cyril Gaunt. And number three is beating, or not beating, well, it depends on who was judging, but the Tyson Fury performance. Moving forward, are we going to see a better moment? It's pretty unlikely, but it's possible because he has shown the one thing about his career is he does the freaking impossible. Again, you look back at where he started even before picking up a pair of four-ounce gloves. The fact that he became a heavyweight champion shows this man is un- unreal. He's unlike any. The fact that he went from MMA to boxing, and in the meantime, he didn't spend the whole time training boxing. He spent a big part of it recovering from a serious injury and then stepped in the boxing ring and then nearly beat the heavyweight champion. It shows you this guy can do the impossible. So can he get another boxing match and beat Anthony Joshua, beat Tyson Fury? Can he beat Deontay Wilder? I don't know if I'll pick him. After last weekend, I won't doubt him. Yeah, no, we, we should never doubt Francis Ngannou because he went out there and did something that I don't, I mean, look, I don't think anyone outside of his camp thought he could go in there too. I mean, I will say this, one of my big takeaways from the actual fight was that, I, I forget what route was, it was probably sometime after the knockdown, but his mouth was just wide open and I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, like if you're Tyson Fury, this is where you go in there and attack him and he just he just kind of kept doing what he was doing. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the pay-per-view buys are, interesting to see what's next for him. Um, you know, if you're the PFL, I mean, I, I think at the end of the day he honors his deal with the PFL, but I, I would be relatively surprised. And, I mean, look, and, and Saturday night or Saturday afternoon was just another example of how the Saudi Arabia investment fund, and I would tell anybody who, you know, and look, I, I wanted to educate myself on this. So I watched the interview that Luke Thomas did with Kareem Zidane, who did a great, you know, talking about this this fund. And obviously, you know, we, we've seen the amount of money that Saudi Arabia has put into sports and entertainment. You know, I mean, I, I saw a comment, I guess, WWE, um, uh, Vince McMahon calls Saudi Arabia the new WWE home. I thought that was kind of a, an interesting line that he threw out there. Of course, uh, you know, you got the crown jewel event, you know, coming up this weekend. And, uh, you know, it's, but I'll say this, like, if you tell me Francis Ngannou is fighting four months from now, even it's on a Saturday afternoon in Saudi Arabia, I know what I'm doing. I got, I got to be in front of the, I, whether I'm, I'm sitting at home ordering the pay-per-view or I'm going out to a bar that has the pay-per-view. I want to, I'm, I'm intrigued. I did not know how intrigued I would be. I really didn't know if I was going to go out for the pay-per-view, but I said, you know what? It's, it was a kind of a Saturday off for me. So I was like, you know what? Let me go out. And I, outside of the pacing of the broadcast, I mean, that, that was, oh my God, that was oof, Jesus. Like PFL, do not take any pointers. Yeah, you have bad pacing as it is. I just, it was like, just as a someone sitting at a bar stool, I was like, this is a bad broadcast. Yeah. And then I was also sitting there with people around me going, who are these performers? <laughs> I, I mean, look, I may not be the, you know, the hip guy anymore. Now I'm not working in top 40 radio. I'm in top 40 radio for 15 years at this point. But I'm, I'm sitting there going, who are these people? I'm, I'm asking people who are who are definitely more hip than me, and they didn't even know. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, I can't help you either. I think you gotta be on, on TikTok 
at 14. You have a 14-year-old algorithm on TikTok, and you may know who people are, but... Dude, my algorithm is M- stuff MA related, WDE related, and then just, you know, funny videos. And I spend way too much time on, on TikTok or Instagram Reels. I do, but there's there's just some funny shit out there, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, the internet is just, uh, it's absolutely undefeated. It is absolutely undefeated. But uh, yeah, dude. Okay. You know what? It has been coming up more and more just because I've probably watched like two videos. Uh, Komodo dragons and attacking other animals. Yeah, that's not a part of my algorithm. I gotta say, I, I don't see. You know, the closest thing. <laughs> oh, oh, your phone's listening to you right now. Magically, it's gonna pop up your algorithm. Oh my gosh! Today. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what's going on. We'll see if we get some animal and animal violence. I mean, the closest thing I get is maybe Leoto Machida knockouts, but uh, that's about it. Dude, speaking Leo Machida, that was one of the things that came out this week of how much Bellator paid him. They paid him a million dollars a fight. Unbelievable. I'm surprised they didn't keep on fighting. Jeez, <laughs> Luis. Surprised he's still not fighting today. And you know, then, it costs a lot of money to filter your urine. I mean, speaking of that, I mean, I guess we can kind of transition to this bloody elbow piece about some fighter salaries that they've unraveled in this antitrust lawsuit. Conor McGregor's payouts. So his fight against uh, Eddie Alvarez... The pay-per-view generated $66 million for the UFC. Connor was paid $6.8 million. For the Diaz rematch, he made $5.6 million. The first Diaz fight, he made $5.5 million, where that uh, pay-per-view event generated $61 million. A fascinating piece. For people who have not seen, I'll put it in the show notes over Bloody, uh, the story Bloody Elbow uh, has on this one. And with everything that's going on with the antitrust lawsuit, it is... It's fascinating to just see these figures and and then of course I mean obviously these are figures from you know back in, in 2014, 2015, 2016 in comparison to where we're talking about Francis Ngannou now allegedly reportedly was guaranteed 10 million dollars for this fight and that's his biggest payday in his career. It's 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 kind of crazy when you think about the amount of money the UFC makes that the heavyweight champion who left the organization, played his cards right, did everything right, that a $10 million payday was the biggest payday of his career. Yeah, man. But when you look at those numbers, it's not so surprising. I mean, let's do those percentages. By and large, Connor's making less than 10% of the revenue generated from that pay-per-view event. And um, I think we both agree he makes he, he provided more than 10% value. For that revenue. I mean, we are talking, he provided all the value. He provided, in the Nate Diaz fight, 80% of the value. Should he be getting paid 80%? I mean, probably not. But should he be getting paid like 45 to 50%? Honestly, yeah. So when you look at the numbers the UFC makes, bro, it's like the ultimate drop ball that we didn't get in Ganu Jones. I mean, Dana, make the fights the fans want to see, okay? What happened to the old Dana? I, uh, the, I grew up. In a day and age where Dana White would do post-life press conferences and tell me he was going to make the fights I wanted to see. I didn't have to go to boxing to you know, mm-hmm. get disappointed that the best way to never fight. And the fact that Jones and Ngannou aren't ever going to fight probably for a couple years, it sucks. And the UFC could have paid up. The, the UFC in Saudi Arabia, I mean, those are two different ballgames. The UFC is in the money-making business. Saudi Arabia is in the public relations business. They are using their investment fund to change their perception amongst the Western world. So those are completely two different ulterior motives, right? Like the UFC might give 
France is a counteroffer that's over 10 mil, and Saudi Arabia might empty out their couch cushions and give them 20 mil. That's the kind of money they're playing with. I mean, I believe they had, I believe they had like half of the Boxing Hall of Fame in attendance. Uh-huh. So it, it's a different ballgame, but those numbers are crazy. They are unsurprising. But yes, even Conor McGregor, the, the, the golden goose of this sport, even Conor McGregor was severely underpaid by the UFC. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things of, like, as you think about, like, you know, obviously with the UFC being part of a public company of, you know, do do the shareholders even care, you know, or, or is a thought process of, hey, as long as the company is continuing to make the profits they're making, who cares? But, yeah, I mean, we, we talk about it all the time. It's, you know, who, who are the biggest losers in all this? It's, it's us, the combat sports fan, because we don't get the fight that we want to see. And obviously the fight we would love to see is Francis Ngannou versus John Jones, but it's never going to happen. Let's just well, call it what it is. It's it might ha- it might it might happen, but not in the next two years. Like like I think I think Francis could fight out his PFL deal and go back to the UFC without a doubt. Seriously, I, I think that could happen. But you also you guys know there's and obviously it was a unique situation for Francis and Ghana because of how all this played out and, and obviously there's been a lot of changes, but like you know there is now a lot of MMA fighters going, man. Can I play this thing out? Can I can I get to free agency? Now, obviously, you got to be a big star, and there's got to be a little bit of a, you know, kind of a storyline to get the matchup. But like, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, yes, he he didn't get the the win on the judges' scorecards, even though I thought he won the fight. Um, but Francis Ngannou was the big winner. I mean, there's there's I mean, he's a big winner. Tyson Fury's got to be the big loser because I mean, he talked about last week against the matchup. Like he goes, I don't want to be the boxer that loses to the MMA fighter. He's very close to being that. And now he's got to postpone probably that Usyk fight that he... Dude, like, what do you think is going through Usyk's mind as he's sitting K- uh, ringside on Saturday? He's got to be sitting there going, son of a bitch. I know, I know. Because now for him, beating Fury, even if they do fight next, it's kind of lost its luster a little bit after the way Tyson looked against Francis. The thing about Tyson Fury, though, is he very much. I'm no boxing expert, by the way. I'm no boxing expert. I'm not I don't either. have a score. I don't have a scorecard for that fight. I don't know what was happening half the time. To be honest with you, when a guy gets knocked down, I know what's happening. I know who won. But uh, by and large, some of those close rounds, I couldn't give you analysis. Okay, um, but from my common boxing fan perspective, it seems like Tyson Fury's performances really, uh, they go like they're, they're very polarizing. Like one time he looks like on top of the world and sometimes he looks really sloppy and, and things aren't going right. And he's talking about retirement. So I feel like Tyson had one of those nights. I think next time out, he's going to have the polar opposite night. Honestly, I think this is going to motivate him to perform well. Now, look, I know we live in a sport where we were used to, you know, for you living in the central time zone, you know, that, that UFC pay-per-view starting at nine o'clock here in Tampa, 10 o'clock for me. But I'm just saying, I would not be opposed to every pay-per-view being at two o'clock in the afternoon. I know, right? It's great. Yeah, well, if, if uh, the Middle East becomes, you know, the home of uh, combat sports, maybe you'll get more of those. I mean, we had that with the last pay-per-view. That was nice. Personally, Jason, I love myself a fight night. I love myself. Uh, I mean, honestly, it would be great if the pay per view started at eight central. To me, that would be the perfect time. But well, uh, remember, I, they, I, they tried that. You, 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 
Well, this, that would have been that. like what? Like, I don't even remember that, dude. Yeah, they 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 had moved the pay per views um, up an hour. This was probably like maybe, I don't know, maybe like 2012, 2013, so, somewhere in that range. Mm-hmm. And basically, you know, they tried it because you know Dana had heard basically from the East Coast audience like, hey, these pay per views are just ending too late. But it, as I recall, I want to say Dana said that they actually saw less buys when they moved the pay per view um, start time to an hour earlier. Um, I, look, that's why I can't tell on the West Coast. I'm just jealous of not being on the West Coast because like. A pay-per-view starting at 7 o'clock is awesome. Like, and, and let me, I'll, I'll bring up this other point, okay? Tyson Fury's next fight, was, I think it was supposed to be, what, December 15th, whatnot. Let's, whatever his next fight is, just name the date. And let's just say it's in Saudi Arabia. Pro- probably a good chance that's where it's going to be because of the amount of money that Saudi Arabia is, is spending for uh, entertainers and, and athletes. And, you know, obviously, like you said, they're trying to change uh, the perception of Saudi Arabia. Whether you believe it or not, that's what they're trying to do. If it's Tyson Fury versus Usyk, am I getting to the bar on a Saturday afternoon to watch that? I'm just going to be honest about it. I'm not. You tell me it's against Francis Ngannou. I'm there, and but I'm going to walk in with it. Go for like the first two hours of that pay review. I'm just drinking waters because clearly I know I'm going to be here for a long time. Yeah, yeah, we got to look up that match. We got to look up that bout time. That's the biggest lesson we learned. We learned two lessons: don't doubt Francis ever again. Look up that bout time so we can show up at the appropriate time and not watch a bunch of filler content. Yeah, man, that was just uh at least co- at least college football was on, so I kind of helped it a little bit. A yeah. little bit. But like I was also very much sitting there going, come on, can we can we just get these guys to walk to the ring and get the let's get this thing going? But They're also like, Jason, this is all we have. As soon as that as soon as that happens, everyone's gonna leave. So we're gonna make the most of it. Do, we got all these people in the arena, so they're gonna watch these songs. Do you think Dana White had a tweet saved in the drafts? Ready to go. I'm sure. I'm sure. Do you, do you think like he had a smiley face emoji that he was ready to send right when the score, you know, if, if we had gone a much different way? No doubt. No doubt. And in the in the battle between Dana and Francis, Francis and Ganu 10-8 round one. Oh, yeah. I mean, Francis and Ganu, his agent. I mean, Eric Nixon, Dewey Cooper. Yeah, both of those guys. Because that's the other thing, like that we didn't touch on, like in terms of the performance, the game plan was flawless. The game plan was smart. It took Tyson Fury by surprise, the cautious nature of Francis, and you got to give credit to his corner. Yeah, I mean, like you think about it, and I'm trying to find the tweet that I saw yesterday. It is you just talk about what a crazy year in mixed martial arts it has been. Even if you just think about what's happened over the past couple of months, you look at what this whole, you, you look at what's going on in the antitrust lawsuit. You look at what's, what's happened with Nganu. The fact that USADA and the UFC are no longer in business and, and the UFC is going to have a new drug testing program next year. I mean, it is just, it's crazy to me to think about how much non Fight-related stories are the major headlines in our sport right now. And even if you don't look at the calendar year, but you look at the past year, yeah. like until November 2022, you also get the James Krause story thrown in there too. Mm. And it's like, this is yeah. just an absolute crazy yeah. 12 months. 
This was, it, it came from John Nash. He said, between Ingano's free agency and Boxing Fury, Bellator apparently being sold, the UFC going public with WWE, and finally the antitrust lawsuit getting class certified and moving past appeal, this has been one crazy year for MMA outside the cage. And his next week was, shit, and I forgot about USADA. Like, think about that. And a lot of this is just like over the past couple of weeks. Yeah. I, I feel like yeah. the whole like Bellator being sold, Don Davis was asked about it. And boy, he danced around that question. <laughs> he had the tap shoes on. Like, it was almost like one of those answers. He's like, hey, bro, we're trying to finalize a deal here. And uh, I can't say anything that's going to screw this deal up. <laughs> yeah. And it's not often that he does that, but. Yeah, it's uh, man, it's it's crazy, bro. It's been a crazy year, and uh, we'll see if next year, you know, keeps the insanity, or if we just keep it going. I mean, I think it'll be an interesting podcast discussion to do um, some predictions. But had we predicted any of these things to start the year, we would have been crazy. I think the other thing about the Saudi Arabia aspect of this, and of course, we know they've they've made an investment into the PFL, it makes you wonder, like, could there be even a bigger investment? And then could that really be the thing that changes the landscape of mixed martial arts in terms of how much maybe the PFL could potentially close the gap? Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. And I just think, you know, the gap is so wide though, that even if they do close the gap, it's going to be so huge. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think the thing though becomes though, you know, will there ever become a point in the sport where a fighter is five and zero, six and zero, seven and zero? Let's just say they've, you know, they're they're fighting in LFA or they're fighting in CFFC or you know, name the regional promotion, and they go, I I want to fight for the PFL as opposed to always saying, Hey, I'm I'm trying to get to the UFC. Well, we saw it with that one dude. The, the glory guy. Yeah. Well, I mean, but you think about like um, Josh Silverio is a great example of this. Goes on the, the PFL uh, Challenger Series and, you know, he's on the verge of a million dollars. I mean, there's, I mean, the, that is the one thing where you talk about the positive of the PFL is, man, they're putting a lot of money in fighters' bank accounts that, I mean, like, look, if Josh Silverio is in the UFC, I don't know if he's making 30 and 30 right now. Yeah. And he's yeah. on the verge of a million-dollar paycheck. And that's the upside if you're a prospect. And you can talk yourself into, hey, I'm going to join the PFL. I'm going to win this tournament. I'm going to jump to the UFC. You know, you can do – you can double dip if you believe in your talent enough to get through that tournament unfazed. And when you sign with the UFC, you may sign a good deal. Get a Justin Gaethje-type contract, a Michael Chandler-type contract, and come in ahead of the curve because we know – the UFC's model is, by and large, signing talented guys and underpaying them up the wazoo. Mm-hmm. You know, getting them through the contender series and, wow. and just getting cheap labor for for fights. Content. Dude, it, it's like every time that you see that the Dana White video where basically he's promoting the entire fight car for that week. And, you know, you see the backdrop of there in the war room, and you see how many of those fighters are from the contender series. I mean, usually it's like at least half of the fighters. Yeah. And so for the UFC, what they got to do is turn all those fighters, not all, turn a couple of those fighters into Sean O'Malley, into those stars. Because the UFC is focused on content and getting cheap contracts, but the flip side is 
they need to continue to create stars because that is what rises the tide of the UFC. The UFC can go out and put on a pay-per-view with a bunch of people who aren't stars. They can like this next pay-per-view will not do well in the box office. Um, obviously that's because Jones is out. That wasn't planned, but this next mm-hmm. pay-per-view will not do well. The UFC does need to still find Connor Jones and Sean. So that's going to be their biggest, not the biggest issue, but the biggest like problem they need to solve is out of these contender series people. Who is it going to be? Right, like the DDP is a contender series guy, right? Or no, he's not. No, I don't. I don't think. I don't think Duplessis oh. came through with the contender series. Who Who are some of the top contender series names we have right now? Jack Della Maddalena, right, is for sure one. Did Jamal Hill come through the contender series? Probably. I mean, at some point, it's almost like everyone did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm just. I, I'm. I'm doing the whole Daniel thing. Let me pull up the Wikipedia. The top contender series fighters of all time. Let me just Google that. The best fighters to appear. Oh, Sean O'Malley was a contender series fighter. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> right. Yeah, he was, he, was, he was season one. Um, so I'm just looking at. So these were the. I'm looking at the contract winners. Um, uh, Alex Perez did fight for a UFC title. Uh, Grant Dawson. That's potentially could be. You know, mm-hmm. see where. You know, see how he uh, rebounds from that. Um, Sadiq Youssef, Macy Barber. Yeah, Talia Santos and Marina Rodriguez also. So there's some names there. Yeah, I mean, uh, let's see here. Going through now, I'm at season three. Yeah, Jamal Hill was was a part of season three. So, I mean, that's a UFC. That, that's someone who won a UFC title. Yeah, although probably isn't a name right now. Isn't a draw per se. Sean O'Malley, that's a draw. I mean, that's a character. That, yeah, I mean, that's I mean, someone the UFC has got to feel good about. Yeah, he's. I mean, honestly, one of the big, the biggest, you know, draws in our sport right now. Whether people yeah. like him or not, he is. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, you look at season five, a guy that fights on Saturday, Jolton Almeida. He could be a future UFC heavyweight champion. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And uh, like, actually, I think. I mean, there's a great chance he will be a UFC heavyweight champion. It probably just depends how much longer John Jones decides to fight. But uh, yeah, I mean, sign me up for Jolson Almeida versus the winner of Tom Aspinall and Sergey Pavlovich. It, looking at season six, there's one name that sticks out to me. Who's Bo that? Nickel. Oh, big, big yes. I mean, he's yeah. Out of everyone on the on the on 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 the non-ranked fighters, he has the biggest upside. Obviously, yeah. So I'm looking at this. So since since season three to now uh, season seven just completed, they've done ten events. The amount of contracts has increased every year. Season three it was thirty. Season four thirty seven. Season five thirty nine. Season six forty three. Season seven forty six. I mean, look, it, it is clearly the best way to get into the UFC, and also you don't have to go into you know the into tough and be living in a house for six weeks uh, away from your family. But like right now, like I mean, you look at the next two pay per views, you know. I, for for us, we're going to be excited because hey, we love watching the fights. But like, does Yuri versus Alex Bahay get up? You know, get that casual sports fan excited? Does Leon Edwards versus Colby Covington get the casual fan excited? I would guess the answer is probably no. Even though, I mean, like Yuri Bahay, like sign me up. Like that should be a fun fight. 
Yeah, that's the fight that I'm excited to get my friend over to watch with me and then say, hey, check these guys out. I know those two won't disappoint. And now that I got an apartment, I don't know if you see my couch. Oh, wait. Yeah, you got a couch over there. I can't even. I got a couch over there. I have some friends over. And if I'm not working, and we're going to have some daddy sodas. And I'm going to educate them about that fight, about that pay-per-view card. But uh, that's not it. I mean, Leon and Colby could draw well because Colby's a great personality for drawing. And uh, Leon has a story to tell with how, how he has, you know, become champion and and uh, successfully retained it. So I, I think that one might do decent business. Yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm looking at next week's pay-per-view. It's very top-heavy. I mean, very top-heavy with the two uh, interim title fights or two title fights. Uh, you got Jessica Andrade with Mackenzie Dern. Uh, but now St. Denis, after all, that's a nice fight. Then you got Diego Lopez past Sabatini. That's your, your five Damn, fights yeah. on pay-per-view. But it, it definitely, in terms of, you know, that, that name power, you know, it, it takes, it, it takes a big drop after you get past really the, those first four fights. You could put all those fights on the fight night card and switch all the fight night cards, put on the pay-per-view and there wouldn't be a difference. Dude, I'll tell you the funny thing is when I saw Dana White announce the, uh, the December 2nd card, I didn't even know where it was. I just saw the fight card, and I go, oh, that's in front of fans. Is it the is that the Austin card? Yeah, yeah, the Austin card, yeah. I got to ask you, why is that co-main event five rounds? Uh, What was the co-main event on that one? It's going to be Bobby Green and Dan Hooker. And so they announced it for five rounds. I was just curious, was there like a specific reason? Uh, I would guess that must have been that maybe both of them asked for it. That's stupid. Uh, okay, okay, could be. Go. I I get where you're coming from, but let's let's just you know you're in front of that television set. These two guys have gone to war for three rounds. You're gonna be like, hell yeah, let me get two more rounds of this. I know, I know. I just like logic. I like logic, and just randomly, like two dudes wanted it, so let's just give it to them. It's just like, okay, here's the one. This is the this is what they should do. They should do an option, and both guys have to agree to it after the third round to do two more rounds. <laughs> that should just be every every main card fight. Do you want to do two rounds? You don't know what the other guy says. If you feel confident enough you got the decision, you say, no, let's give me that scorecard. Or you want two more rounds of bang, bro. Well, think um, about uh, Dan Hooker's last fight. Wasn't that, wasn't that, was that a third-round finish, or what was the decision? Um Jalen Turner. It was a it was a split decision. Yeah, I feel like he lost two rounds and won the third round. Yeah, he won. He won oh. the fight. He won the fight Whatever. by split decision. But I remember sitting there going, "Hell yeah, give me two more rounds of this!" Like I remember, I was watching it at a bar, and bro, like it's not too often because I think like maybe that was the first, maybe second fight of the pay per view. It may have been a prelim fight, and. Like people in the bar were like, "Yeah, man, let's get two more rounds of this thing." Because I mean, they were just throwing them bungalows. Yeah, Jalen Turner. That must have been the opener. Uh, and it, no, maybe it was after Bill Nichols' fight. But uh, yeah, that was a hell of a fight, a close fight. But uh, yeah, man, I just had to ask. I was wondering. I'm like, my girlfriend yesterday asked me a really good question. Like, sometimes you're watching sports with somebody who doesn't watch sports. Mm-hmm. And they look at it and they ask a question and you don't have a good answer. And, uh, you know, I was watching my team win the World Series again. And she's just watching the game while reading her book. And she's just like, why is the man behind the catcher wearing a suit? 
<laughs> and I'm like, and my first answer, I'm just a dude. I'm like angry. I'm like, cause he's the umpire. And then I was like, that's not a good answer. I don't know why the hell the umpire wears a freaking suit. Do you have I'm, a good answer for that? I, I have no idea why that is, but I would just say this, like there is something about watching sports with your lady and their commentary. There is something yeah. about if that. They're not, if they're not a sports fan, right? If they're, if correct. Mean, correct. Yeah. yeah. If they're, if they're not like a hardcore sports fan, like we are there, there's nothing like watching. I mean, like I will tell you this, even if your lady is not into MMA, you just got to have her like, you know, it, maybe she likes to play, you know, games on her phone, or, or like you mentioned, your girl likes to read. Like, just say, hey, hey, let's just let's just read your book here on the couch, and then you're just waiting for at some point she's going to offer some commentary, and you're probably internally going to start laughing. Yeah, I'll, and I'll bring it up on the podcast as she sticks around for some UFC fights. I will say honestly, it's cute, but me watching the my team win a world championship for the first time in my life probably wasn't the best time to be asking me about what, why, why is there balls and strikes? It's like, I don't care. Okay. I don't want to talk to you right now. I'm about to watch the Rangers win the world series. No. I don't care. I don't want to explain to you why there's this guy pitching. As you're texting me in the eighth inning about, you know, we're world champs. I'm like, Hey bro, you still got three more outs. Listen, I don't care because I've already been burnt. I've already been burnt. I've already, I'm broken based on the Rangers history. And for those that are unaware, Back to back World Series with the lead, uh, like an out left, and we 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 messed it up both times and lost. So I was I was ready. I was talking some crap. I had to get all my crap talking in early because I still work the morning shift currently. So I went to sleep like at eleven, and I had to wake up at. Well, I don't know if my bosses are listening, but if my bosses are listening, well, I mean, I put in my two weeks, so it doesn't matter. But uh, I had to wake up at three in the morning, so I had you know, and it took a while to go to sleep after eleven. Uh, so yeah, but you know, fortunately your boy, uh, changing jobs. So uh, I'm going to have a more normal schedule and I'm excited. Hopefully with a no- more normal schedule, we can do some interesting stuff. I mean, we've talked about this for a long time or in, in private, but I really want to move forward with doing like a special projects where we talk about a, a retired fighter's career. And we really like go and watch back all these fights because it's just, we're always moving forward. In mixed martial arts, it's always next week. What's next week? What's next week? Um, but I really want to do podcasts where we reflect back on careers. So as I get this new job, hopefully I have the free time to, to go and, and, and do that. Because there's a lot of mixed martial arts history that I haven't seen. I haven't seen most of Pride. Yeah, and I mean, it's important to remember that. That's a big reason why I started the, the Get to Know podcast is I was, you know, I was sitting here and, I, you know, and, and it's like, okay, I want to do something different in the MMA podcasting landscape, you know, than, than that's out there. And it was, and just kind of came to me. I was like, you know, I love to talk to these fighters that, you know, are, are one fight away, two fights away from getting to UFC or, or, or the PFL and, you know, kind of having these longer conversations with them. And, you know, getting to know who they are, you know, and, you know, I think uh, thinking about the first episode I did was with Abdul Kamara, who, who trains out of the MMA lab. And, you know, he part of the conversation was how he wants to be an inspiration to people who have an issue with stuttering because he stutters. And he goes, I want to be someone they look at and go, hey, 
I can I can get to this level in my life. And you know, those are like, you know, I mean, look, it's yeah, but you're exactly right. We we live in a sport that it's always about what is the next Saturday? What is, you know, you, you got Jolton Almeida coming up on Saturday against Derek Lewis. Wish it was Curtis Blaze still in that matchup, you know, send those healing vibes out to, to Curtis Blaze because that would have been a fascinating matchup between those two guys. I mean, I I expect Jolton Almeida's gonna go out there and destroy Curtis Blades. That would be my expectations. Well, that would be crazy because uh, Derek Lewis is fighting, bro. Yeah, yeah, no, but he was initially supposed to fight. <laughs> oh Curtis yeah, Blades. yeah, 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 yeah. Oh shit. So Derek Derek Lewis replaced Curtis Blades. That's what I was yeah, saying. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of times that sometimes when the UFC has to change these main events, that sometimes the new fight ends up being better than the first fight. You know, kind of we saw with with UFC 294. But this is one of those situations where we really had a dope fight. That was on the books, and unfortunately, Curtis Blades had to pull out, and, and now Derek Lewis is in this. I haven't even seen the video of of the him getting arrested for reckless driving, for driving 136 miles an hour, which I'm just like. I didn't like, know that was out there. I didn't know that video was out there. Uh, yeah, I I mean, obviously, I've heard people talk about it. I haven't really taken a, a time to really dive into it. Damn. I, uh, how fast was he going? Apparently 136. That's crazy. Yeah, he was in a Ferrari. I mean, I mean, you know, you know me. I, I've got like ten Ferraris. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, I, sometimes I have been known to be on the interstate, and all of a sudden I'm like, especially driving up to Tallahassee, and all of a sudden you just look at speedometer going, "Holy crap, I'm going 90. I need to slow down." Yeah, but I will say 130 is a little different. Yes. 130, you start like your your cheeks start going like crazy. Uh, that's not great. It's never great to get arrested. Um, I mean, I, I hope Derek doesn't continue to drive recklessly, putting people's lives in danger. But, uh, yeah, with or without that arrest, was thinking Jelton was probably going to bring him down and tap him out pretty quickly. Yeah. And and that's exactly what you were getting at, right? Because Curtis was going to be able to wrestle with him mm-hmm. and maybe change up the type of matchup. Here, it's kind of more of a foregone conclusion. The flip side is Derek Lewis hits hard. And – Derek Lewis doesn't give up and he can he can lose rounds and come out of nowhere and knock a dude out. Derek Lewis does provide a lot of entertainment value. So you never know. But um I think yeah, it's safe to say Jailton will continue to impress and will get a submission finish maybe in the second round. Overall, I'm excited to see this fight night event because it's in Brazil and um there aren't a lot of like high level fights on here. But there's a lot of high-level fighters. Like, sign me up for the Bonfin brothers. You know, Gabriel Bonfin, Ismael Bonfin. I'm excited for their fights against Nicholas Dalby and Vince Pichel, respectively. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm always interested when we're talking about fights where, A, they're in front of fans. So we kind of get that environment where, you know, with those Apex cards, you, you just miss out a lot on it. And you, you bring up, a, you know, really a lot of great points of of this fight card. I mean, and of course, it's, uh, by the way, 6 p.m. Uh, start time for the prelims, 9 o'clock for the main card. Of course, the entire event will be on, on ESPN+. Plus. You know, but, like, you know, you, you look at, like, there's a match between Rodolfo Vieira and Norman Petrosian. That's a clash of styles. You have Vieira, the jiu-jitsu guy. Petrosian is a kickbox. You mentioned about the Bonfim brothers. Um, I, I think you know Gabriel really is one main mount. Now, Gabriel's a, a minus 725 betting favorite uh, against Nicholas Dalby. I mean, there are some massive betting favorites. Jolton Almeida is a 5-1 to betting favorite. 
Uh, let's see here. Uh, Ismail Bonfin is, is a five and a half to one betting favorite. I mean, there's just a massive betting favorites. It was kind of crazy when you, you look at this fight card lineup, the fact that Mark J. Casey is the first fight of the night. Angela Hill is the third fight of the night. I think uh, Victor Petrino, Modestus Bukakis has a chance to be kind of a very interesting fight. But it's, you know, I mean, the, these are, you know, especially with it being a fight night card down in Brazil, you kind of do expect that a lot of these Brazilian fighters are going to shine on it. But, you know, it's just, you know, I, I, I love watching fights in front of fans. I mean, it's just, that's the way it is for me. Like, I, I just, I mean, like, I get why they do all these Apex shows. But, like, as a as a viewer, I just hate it. Because, like, it, I feel like I'm just watching, a, you know, a, a fight in a gym. Yeah, and we're not going to get that, fortunately. We're going to get, I think we're going to get a lot of finishes. I think we're going to get a lot of highlight reel performances, great crowd reactions. I think we'll probably see some flags. Um, uh, you know, a couple other names to mention, Eduarda, Eduarda Mora uh, going up against Montserrat Ruiz. I mean, to me, that's a showcase fight for Eduarda. I think she's finished most of her fights so far yeah. coming to the contender series. Um, uh, Renat, Fakhretnidinov, Walterweight, really Nailed good. Fakhret <laughs> Dimov. You just got to go with it. You just got to go. Yeah, well, regardless, I think he's going to do good. And I think, um, you know, we get to see the great Abus Magomedov again. So uh, we'll see if, um, you know, he performs better than his debut. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, uh, I'll be I'll be traveling to Houston on Saturday afternoon, and uh, you know, tr- trying to catch the Rockets game on, on Saturday night. So uh, looking, you know, they're playing. Uh, they're playing the Sacramento Kings. Oh, you should check it out for sure, man. I was I, I would say I was actually surprised how kind of relatively inexpensive the tickets were. Have you seen how they've played? You could give tickets away, and I don't know if people will go. But I mean, I love basketball, bro. I, I can I literally. I got home last night, started cooking dinner, and what what am I doing? I'm I'm watching some basketball. Like that that is me, man. I it doesn't matter who the teams are. I mean, yeah, I would love to watch the Magic games, but um, it does. I, I'm I'm just a basketball junkie. I love watching basketball. Yeah, I will join you in two weeks. Still going to bed at 7 p.m. most days, so I'm missing out on on Chuck and Shaq and Kenny and Ernie. But uh, um, starting November 11th, your boy's going to be back watching some hoops. Your boy's going to be back watching some hockey, some puck. My Dallas Stars are doing good. But, yeah, if you all are a sports fan, it's a head-to-head matchup. Daniel versus Jason, Texans versus the Buccaneers. So, uh, yeah, well, little MA report bowl. This only happens once every four years. Yeah, so yeah, that's uh, one of the things about the uh, uh, the stadium there in Houston where the broadcast booths are. Uh, we are at the very top of the building. They look I'm like sorry. ants. <laughs> I'm sorry that the owner of the Texans didn't consult. Um, David Carr or Matt Schaub on how they should do the uh, broadcasting uh, yeah. situation, you know. Uh, yeah, it's, it's one of the – it's, it's, I would – it's probably the highest broadcast booth in the league. So do you just – how much – how much stuff do you need to bring up to the highest level? Like how many trips is that? Oh, it's one trip. I mean, it's uh, – it, er, everything's, everything's in cases. So you just put it all in. You just how how so you long roll, is that you roll, you, you, you roll it up to the elevator, and the elevator takes you all the way to the top. How long does that take? Are you not able to read long. a book? Oh, not bad. No, no. I mean, I mean, I, it t- typically we 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 have the 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 booth set up within forty five minutes. Oh, uh, you fully, are fully, you, fully set up. Doing, you've been doing it for a while. It makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Now I will tell I you might. this: the old Cowboy Stadium. 
the elevator only went to a certain point, and uh, then you we had to carry things up two flights of stairs. That's that's awful, especially if you have it in cases. That just sucks. Yeah, it, it, in that situation, for our, our big case, uh, which I think weighs over three hundred pounds, we uh, we literally get we just brought duffel bags and we basically took what what we what we needed what we we had to have and just put it in double bags and carried it up the flights of stairs but yeah it's uh yeah but most stadiums but yeah you the elevator takes you right up you know it's just a matter of how much how much walk like like we were in buffalo you basically had to kind of in a way walk from where the locker room was to where to get to the broadcast booth it was a little bit of a walk but it's all good but i'll tell you this man buffalo fans they are loud loud i believe it man and clearly they love the party Oh yeah, yeah. Honestly, some of the best fans in all of sports, for reals, throwing themselves on tables. They they're great. I like it more when the Bills suck. It just it's more fun. It's more wholesome. The table breaking, but uh, I, I love me some Buffalo fans. Like, what is the origin of that? It's a good. Uh, there there must have been. Like there that, has like to be. That, you feel like you would see that like at a MMA show or a WWE show people tailgating out doing table table stuff apparently it goes back to 2015 or 2016 just randomly some fan threw himself on the table and and one viral clip created a tradition that's nuts that's nuts yeah oh wow apparently it's from the 2004 season this is from wikipedia this is from 2004 um the bills were three and six they were three and six in week ten, so they'd have to run the table to make it to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They won three games in a row. Fans actually got excited. Six and six. Many would bring signs of tables and actual tables to the tailgate. Eventually, they won three more games, and the tables bringing came to its culmination. The final game against the Steelers. Many brought their lucky tables and mats, and all the Bills had to do was win the game, and they were in the playoffs. Of course, in the most Billsy fashion, they lost this game in a fever of rage. Most of the tables and the lots were smashed. Or junkin fans threw each other through them. <laughs> Come on. How did they not bring the Dudley boys out? Come on. <laughs> Devon, get the tables. Dude, I know, right? I know. That is that hat yeah. Phenomenal. Absolutely yeah, that, phenomenal. That's crazy. But yeah, I mean, I'll be watching UFC on Saturday. I'll, I'll check it out on the phone, you know, probably get to Houston, right? You know, a little, probably a little bit before. I mean, it'll be kind of nice to be central time zone. I'll, I'll get to know what it's like to be you with that central time zone. And, uh, you know, maybe try to find a, you know, a place to, before the game. And uh, Houston's always a fun city. It's, it's a fun city to go to. Yeah, man. I hope you have a blast. Uh, it'll be good. It'll be in the same time zone. Maybe a, uh, Maybe next time you visit in eight years, I'll be be up there in Houston because uh, that I mean I'll probably they'll be we'll play four years from now, but we'll probably be in Tampa and then. Uh, yeah, I mean I think forward. the way it works is you go to every team once every eight years. I want to say. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, eight years so from I, now, I'll see you there. Yeah, I want to say. Yeah, because I want to say prior to us going to Buffalo last week, I think two thousand nine was the last time we went to Buffalo. I mean, we played them a couple yeah. times, but always been in Tampa. No, it makes sense. It makes sense because we play each other every four years. You play the the division, you know, yeah. the once every four years, and you trade away the home and the away game. So it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I want to say, I want to say we, the last time we played Texans, I want to say it was here, like on like 
Christmas Eve or maybe the day before Christmas Eve. I remember it was a Saturday game. It's weird the crap that you we remember when it comes to sports. It is. It is. You can't explain it. Just what sticks, what doesn't. But again, I'll never forget where I was last night until I develop a mental issue like Alzheimer's or something, which is inevitable probably. But uh, yeah, um, until until I, my memory starts to fade, I will never forget the time I watched my team win the championship for the first time. And I'm a Dallas Stars fan, and they did win the championship, but I didn't know they existed when they won, so it doesn't count. Yeah, there there is nothing like watching your your favorite team win, uh, you know, a championship, no matter what the sport is. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah, you've seen it like nine times. I've (laughs) I've been in the building uh, for two of the Stanley Cups that the Lightning won. Obviously, was in the building for uh, one of the Bucks Super Bowls back in twenty twenty. Yeah, it's yeah. Those are you know. I I always say this, man. Like obviously, there's it's it's different for me when it comes to Bucks because being part of, of the radio network, but. The first cup, the Lightning won in two thousand four. It's it's one of the greatest sporting events I've ever been to. There, a, a game seven. It's a one goal game. Oh, I, dude, it's there's nothing like yeah. it. I'm telling you. I mean, it, it is. You're you're on your edge of your seat the entire game. Yeah, that's a that sounds euphoric. That sounds amazing, and that's why we love sports. Yeah, I don't know how good it was for my heart, but. The sacrifices we make. Oh yeah, no doubt about it. But our uh, that heart is, and our liver. <laughs> exactly. But that is going to wrap it up for this edition of the podcast. Appreciate everyone tuning in. We'll be back next week. To talk about everything going on in the world of mixed martial arts.